You uh, wanted to see me, Zach? Corelli, we got a situation here. Oh, what, what's up? Well, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and this web slinger is all over the place. He's not just in movies. He's in cartoons, comics, coloring books. I want to talk about all of it. So what what are you what are you saying exactly? Get me more podcasts of Spider-Man. More? We already released Spider-Man Minute five times a week. You don't think that's enough? There's seven days in a week, Corelli. Where's my Sunday Gazette, my Saturday edition? Uh, Weekend Bugle? Oh, I like that. But what if we called it The Weekend Bugle? Yeah, The Weekend Bugle, sure. Oh, and another thing. How do we start monetizing this stuff? I want a quarter every time somebody listens. Well, why don't we put The Weekend Bugle on Patreon? Patreon? Yeah, our listeners can go to duelinggenre.com slash support, become a patron for $5 a month, and gain access to The Weekend Bugle and all the other bonus podcasts we put on Patreon. Fantastic idea, Corelli. Glad I thought of it. They don't want us to be famous. Patreon will make us infamous. Welcome back to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we're vindicated as we analyze and celebrate Spider-Man 2, one minor key changing minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Zach Luna. That's, oh boy, that one's good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So today we're talking about Minute 123, which uh, starts with Spider-Man web slinging toward the sirens and ends with uh, the, uh, the credits rolling. Yeah, yeah. It's here we are. Vindicated playing. Yeah, vindicated. The the return of Uncle Ben's favorite band. Uh, (laughs) No, that's wait. No, that's some forty-one. Oh, some forty-one. That's right. That's see, that's much funnier. Yeah, because dashboard's (laughs) good. Uh, You know, I probably I'm I'm mix it up in my brain because it's like literally a dashboard confessional in the car when they're playing some forty-one. Yeah. Oh yeah. The scene absolutely. is a dashboard confessional, but the music isn't. This here, this is a dashboard confessional. Anyway, uh, you know what? You know what the scene is missing. I just realized. Um, <laughs> we we had this. We had that. Uh, we had that scene when he was deciding uh, he would be Spider-Man no more, which lasted all of like you know two weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, he had that. He had that that vision in the car with Uncle Ben, where he's just like, <laughs> I don't want to be Spider-Man anymore, and and. And so I think I think we really like the last time we saw Uncle Ben, he was just like Peter, no. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I feel like we're missing a beat of of um, Uncle Ben, like right here, like the. I I just I just think this would be great if like you know they kiss and and uh, he hears the sirens and he turns to the sirens and he looks over at at Mary Jane to get permission to leave. And she's like, go get him, Tiger. And he smiles and then looks over and the ghost of Uncle Ben just puts up a <laughs> thumbs up. Yes. 
<laughs> no, but he looks over at the like random like photographs he has on his shelf. One of them is Uncle Ben, and he moves like a Harry Potter photograph. Yeah. Like, Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Oh, God, <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is weird that like, we don't ever go back to uncle Ben to get like a, you know, to tie like a resolution that there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no resolution. I mean, I know it's an, it's like a dream, but yeah, it's, it's not, he wasn't really talking to the ghost of uncle Ben, but it's just, <laughs> it's just weird that you had that moment, but you don't have the resolution moment. <laughs> yeah. It is very strange. It's funny. Um, so this, uh, this, this bit, um, with the. You know, we're we're web slinging through the city and, you know, he's uh, he's seems to be having a ball. Um, Mm -hmm. I can't believe he could hear the sirens from that far away. Um, (laughs) They both could. Yeah. Very impressive. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Does Spider-Man have super hearing? I don't think he does. I I don't mm, don't think I don't think spiders have super hearing. Um, No, not really. I uh, I'm just. I, I'm I'm impressed. Also, here's the thing that's really funny to me is that he he leaps over the building, finds the fire trucks and the and the cops and the ambulances and the helicopters and everything, and he's web slinging with them. And then he web slings past them and just keeps going forward. And it's like, <laughs> dude, where do you think you're going? Like, you don't know what they're going after. You got to follow them there. You don't know where they're going. There's there's something over here. Oh, I'll yeah. just keep on trucking. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so, so silly. But uh, I there's a there's a again there's a there's a bit of um I I have a bit of a, I've and I've always had a bit of a geography problem with this this last mm-hmm. bit because it 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 seems to me that you know he's sort of racing down this street web slinging down the street um, yeah. and he he web slings into the distance and then we cut to Mary Jane and, and it looking out the window and it seems like. She's watching him go, but that would be impossible. Yeah, because because he he went forward and then turned right. Yeah, so I mean, is she just looking out at the idea of him? Or I like, guess so. Just conceptualizing it. Yeah. He just he covers a lot of ground and he makes a big right angle turn, so he's nowhere near where where she could see him. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I mean, know. it is <laughs> interesting. I do think of all of the like, uh, what do we call these victory lap uh, Spidey? showcases things because they do this a lot like you know sure. one big thing of spidey swinging i think this is the one that plays fast and loose with um geography and scale of things the most like mm-hmm. it's fun i like it i don't think it it like um holds together as much as like the ending of the first film does uh even though the like the the model and the animation is is good and all that it's just like it just goes wherever and like the <laughs> The momentum changes. Sometimes he's like real big next to the building. Sometimes he looks like these are 4,000 story buildings. It's just. Right. Well, wh- what looks cool? Let's just do that. This is the what looks cool shot, I guess. Right. Um, and it, just, well, it's it's the it's the uh, computers are capable of anything. So we might as well do anything. Yeah. Kind yeah. of shot, um, yeah. which is, I think, something that uh, was a problem in the early to mid 2000s, late nineties to the mid two thousands, that sort of like decade period. Yeah. Um, yeah. where we like, Oh, we abused CG, uh, <laughs> because it was like, it was like, look, it's like magic. We can do anything. Uh, and, and I think, I think later films have, have done really like, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to seeing 
um, Tom Holland Spider-Man web slinging through Manhattan because oh, I, me I'm, too. I'm excited to see what it's going to look like because I think mm-hmm. they'll they'll play with the scale in a in a really good way. You know, I mean, we got yeah. I think there's definitely an improvement of scale in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, granted, I still they, like the inelastic webbing on those sure. movies when he's swinging. Yeah. 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 No, that's yeah. true. But the, the scale <laughs> is definitely improved. Um, yeah. It, it's very cohesive. Yeah, but uh, sure. I I'm excited to see what they what they end up doing when, when we get to Tom Holland in Manhattan whenever that's going to be. Um, <laughs> oh, I uh, yeah this this music. So um so yeah she's watching him go and then we get what I've always read as like a bit of a graduate ending. Yeah, this is um the tone is interesting when we yeah. land on we land we on minor key. Jane. Yeah. Like we have this we, big triumphant thing. Like Peter has gotten everything that he's ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And then we cut back to Mary Jane and she's just like, actually, this kind of sucks. This might suck. <sighs> I don't know <sighs> if I'm ready for this. Yeah. It's intense. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't think I noticed it like when I was younger uh, because I, you know, I'm, I'm high on the web slinging by the point that, you know, on the way out of the theater, I'm just like, blah, blah, you know, like just thinking about that. But they, it's a pretty deliberate choice to not end on Spider-Man, A, not end on Peter Parker's face or anything, not end on a big American flag moment. Mm-hmm. It's, it ends on Mary Jane's reaction here. And it, like you said, like the, the music itself doesn't resolve on that triumphant note. It doesn't resolve on like a major chord or something. It goes minor for a second. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I, would, um, I would go so far as to make an argument that this trilogy uh is you know the first film is primarily about peter mm-hmm. the second film is primarily about mary jane because while the whole spider-man no more thing happens if you compare the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie mm-hmm. he's kind of in the same place right it's like sure yeah. he's spider-man i mean yeah. it's, <laughs> he has like a big i mean he has a big arc and it's about him sort of like you know uh learning to deal with the stress of this um, right. And to, and to take it on as its own pursuit and not just as a guilt thing. Um, right. Exactly. But, exactly. But he's still and doing so, the And that's, thing. that's all strong stuff. But like the, the big arc is definitely Mary Jane in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and so ending on her is, is kind of cool, to be honest. Yeah, and then so. I, would, I would argue that Spider-Man 3 is Harry's movie. Um, uh, he's the one yeah. that has the big character arc in. Yeah, in that's right, and the yeah, well, yeah, the big conclusion and everything too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's interesting because those yeah. are our original core leads from the you know <laughs> the very tippy top of this movie right. franchise. Yeah, that's the really Potter great. trio. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Ron Weasley next time. Um. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love I love that Harry's Ron Weasley in that <laughs> scenario. <laughs> Yes, Ron Weasley, famously known as the richest boy at Hogwarts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with a mean father. Yes, that's yeah. that yeah, Ron yeah. Weasley. Um, oh, it's as if it's as if it's as if Harry and Ron were one character. That's <laughs> Toby. And uh yeah. the third party of the group was Malfoy for some reason. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's I mean, you know. It is what it is. 
Um, I mean, she, Mary Jane's not quite a Hermione either, so no, it's not a, no, it's not a one to one. It's just, it's just funny. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, so the, we have this this sort of trio of characters, and we built a trilogy out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, yeah, because it it's interesting because they think closing the story of these characters with a fourth Spider-Man film that focused back on Peter again yeah. uh, would have been the best way to close this out. But oh well. <sighs> Yeah. Well, that's never going to happen. If you um, want to know what that could have looked like, uh, maybe check out a special podcast on the uh, Patreon feed. Um, <laughs> remember, Scott? Remember when you pitched a fourth movie? It's fine. Um, I, just, <laughs> I do. I do remember. I do remember. Um, I, I, uh, think about it, uh, I think about it often and fondly, and, <laughs> and sometimes I have to stop myself uh, from just writing it for funsies. Um, <laughs> There's that. Oh, I made myself sad type yep, of thing. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Yeah. Speaking I, of making um, yourself sad, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's how Mary Jane's feeling. Oh, I made exactly. myself sad. Yeah, I think that's a, a weird, confident choice. In the same vein as the um, the sort of audacity of the whole Harry Goblin bit that we were kind of blown away by uh, last week. Um, yeah, it's not really part of this movie. It's like speaking to the possibility of other stories. There, the, yeah. the easy way out is to. You know, cut out on the kiss or cut out when he's flying through the streets going, woohoo, but to land on this moment of, this isn't going to be easy. That's, yeah. You know. She made this decision, but it's not going to be easy. And it's definitely a graduate moment. I mean, she's in a wedding dress. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's it's also, um, it, it you know, it's a really, man, it's a really solid, like, ambiguous sort of ending. It's not a cliffhanger. It's just ambiguous. No. Yeah, uh, and it's it's really it's a strong cinematic choice. Um, it's it's just really good, and it's uh, it really leaves you with a sense of uneasiness. Yeah, right yeah. there at the end. Yeah, where uh, things things are still going to be tricky for these cat kids, kids, kids. Cats? kids? I don't know. Yeah, they're yeah. kids. Yeah. 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 What are they? Twenty one at this point? Maybe twenty yeah. two? Yeah. I don't know how. Yeah, children. Um. <laughs> Culturally, right? Those are kids. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> those kids in their apartments and their wedding dresses. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Goofy dumb. kids. Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah. So we get this minor this minor key change. Um, so this this actually sent me down a rabbit hole because oh boy, I wanted to. I I don't know. I was like I was like, man, that's such an interesting choice of of Elfman, you know, that he yeah. he likes put it into this uh this key change and and everything to like end end it on like a downbeat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's so interesting. Like this big triumphant thing and then you end it on a downbeat." So I was I was looking to see what he had to say about his work on Spider-Man 2. Oh boy. Um and uh I uh I stumbled upon some dirt um <gasps> yeah so what what happened yeah so um as as you all know uh i i assume uh, uh danny elfman did not return for spider-man 3 right uh we we actually uh have christopher young doing the score for spider-man uh, 3 okay um and uh so i'm actually gonna read an interview that uh elfman did 
uh, with, um, <laughs> I, I assume the reason that he's, he's speaking so candidly in this interview is because he probably assumed no one was going to read it. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> he did an interview with suicide girls of all things. Whoa. Uh, I guess they, I guess they used to do interviews and stuff, uh, back in the early two thousands. Um, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, al- the al- alternative pornography, uh, yeah, al- yeah, the, yeah. the al- alternative like pinup girl site, pinup yeah. girl site. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Like... I don't, I, does that, I mean, I guess it's pornography, but it's not like they were trying to be like playboy with tattoos. You right. Know? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, it was, uh, it, it's not, uh, it's, it's not like, like pinup girls. Board. It's yeah, not, yeah, um, yeah. explicit like sexual content. Uh, no. At least just, to the best of my just, knowledge, I don't know. No, it's actually. just like naked girls lounging and pictures right. being taken. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so they did interviews like Playboy. Okay. Oh, yeah, apparently at some point anyway. I don't huh. know if they still do. But regardless, <laughs> the interview is is interesting. So um, they asked, uh, I read this was back in 2004, 2005 mm-hmm. um, when this interview happened. Hmm. And uh, the interviewer says, I, I read that you're not going to be working on Spider-Man 3. Do you want to comment on that? Elfman says, let me put it this way. There is no amount of money that anybody could offer me to do Spider-Man 3. I would sooner go back to bussing tables. Whoa. Yeah. Um, they, asked, Whoa. Uh, they asked, I look on IMDb and I see six people credited for the music of Spider-Man 2. Did that contribute to your feelings? Elfman says, uh, it's all about how the production went completely insane at the end. It was the worst film experience I've had in 20 years. It was all pure insanity. It was all completely needless. And in the end, they went nuts trying to imitate every single note of their temp score. If I think, if I think somebody's obsessively attached to a temp score in any way, I'd stay away from it. But this was the worst I've seen times 10, and I've worked with some pretty anal directors. Warren Beatty and Martin Brest are not easy people to work with, but this was taking anal retentiveness to a new extreme. (laughs) Um, They say it's odd because Sam Raimi is a guy you've been working with for 15 years. Elfman says Sam was not there. Uh, he was like, he, he goes, he goes, he was there, but he wasn't Sam. He was not the Sam I knew, not the Sam that I've known for 15 years. It was my fifth movie with him. And all I can say is that the person who was there at the end of Spider-Man two was not Sam. I don't know who it was, but it wasn't Sam. It was as close to living out invasion of the body snatchers as I've ever experienced. There's a lot of micromanagers out there. Tim Burton's a micromanager musically in his own way. And there's. Uh, moments where he'll get a real obsessive over like a certain cue, but we work Mm. it out. Never in 20 years have I ever come across a situation where I couldn't work it out for a director to be a micromanager is nothing new. If anything, I would say most of them are, but to get to the level where you don't need a composer, you just need a musical arranger to adapt note for note as close as possible. There's nothing for me to do as a composer there. They said, would you work with Sam again? He's an Elfman says, not if I can help it. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's too bad because Sam was at the top of my list. He was actually even easier than Tim to work with, but we'd never had a disagreement to see such a profound negative change in a human being was almost enough to make me feel like I don't want to make films anymore. It was really disheartening and sad to see the way it ended up. The end of Spider-Man two was a self-induced hysteria it got to a point where I couldn't even adapt my own music close enough because two-thirds of the temp score was just from Spider-Man 1. If I varied from one note, it was like a self-induced hysteria. 
They wanted Whoa. this one cue that was basically from Hellraiser. And I was like, I can't get any closer and I'm not going to imitate Christopher Young, the hell, the Hellraiser composer. If you mm. want Christopher Young, go hire Christopher Young. So they hired Christopher Young Ooh. to do. So they hired Christopher Young to do a cue <gasps> like Hellraiser, and he couldn't get enough. He couldn't get it close enough to Hellraiser without just playing Hellraiser. So they ended up just licensing the cue from Hellraiser. Holy crap! Yeah. Whoa. I I don't I, I don't even have like and words of now I'm just astonished like yeah. that's oh sounds like a nightmare does sound um, like a nightmare yeah and and uh, this is the reason this is the reason I don't cut to temp scores this is the reason thank God yeah because uh, you it temping te- cutting the temp scores is the worst idea because you get attached to the way the movie feels to the temp score mm-hmm. And, and then you're, when and it, you're already getting the extra benefit of the music getting things to flow together. Right. When you're when you're cutting it so that you can't have the thing happen where or you make it work as best as it can and then the music comes in and helps it become even better. Right. You're afraid to not have the music that's there because it seems like it doesn't work as well anymore. Right. You know, like when it's really just a, it's just different from what it was. It's just before. different. Yeah. It's um, just a backwards it, way of doing it. And well, it and then, so and then you have the other problem, which is like what Danny Elfman is basically saying, like I refuse to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is like just ripping off the score that you picked out in the temp score. Uh, yeah. You have composers who are fine with that um, or at least willing to do it for the paycheck. Yes. Yeah. And then you get things like, uh, you know, Dr. Strange being, Tempt to um, uh, Giacchino's uh, Star Trek uh, yeah. score, and there was another one. It was two scores. It was Star Trek and something else, mm-hmm. and uh, he just like barely rewrote them. And like you have moments in Do- the Doctor Strange movie where it's like, why, why, why is the Enterprise theme playing right now? <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently the thing we've been we've been sort of talking about a lot, where it's like, man, there's not a lot of new music here. Mm-hmm. There isn't like and not like literally not, note for note. There's not. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and not because Danny Elfman didn't want there to be new music or because he was lazy. It was because they tempted it with the, 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 the score from Spider-Man one and then just wanted him to do that again. And he was trying to change it and they wouldn't let him. Man, that is very disappointing. And also yeah. <sighs> just sad. <laughs> I mean, it is it's a testament to how strong Elfman's work is in general that the music works as well as it does in the film. Sure. Um, but boy, howdy, is that not, not let him write look. a new score guys, write a new score. I, you hire a composer to compose. You don't. Right. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. The, yeah. The thing about like, you know, him saying, you know, they hired me to be a composer when they really just wanted an arranger. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Oh man, that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So oh. I, I I read that and I was just like, wow, that man, no, because I, I was always chuffed that Elfman didn't come back for Spider Man three, and now I understand mm. why. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm astonished that he was able to be that candid. I, I don't think I've ever heard, a, heard like an interview at like an outlet that 
like made it past the publicist that was anywhere near that candid about a bad experience. Yeah. Well, and I and I think that that I I mean that that's why I wanted to point out where it came from because I was like mm-hmm. that's probably the only reason because he probably thought well no one's gonna read this. Right. Yeah. No that's one goes a, to suicide suicide girls for the articles. <laughs> no one's gonna read this. Nope. Um. Yeah. It's. Oof. It's a parable, maybe a cautionary tale. Like this is just a good example of the breakdown of the thing that makes movies great is the collaborative aspect. You know, the uh, the, the collaborative aspect is what allows magic to happen, and the breakdown of collaboration is the antithesis of filmmaking. I think, like, mm-hmm. if you are too, if you are on one track and you are like fully committed to it in in a, in a way that keeps you from seeing the contributions and humanity of the other people around you, that's, you're not going to get your best work out of it. You know, as much as the the music does work in this film, even before we got this interview, we could tell that it, you know, it's not as innovative as last time. This just feels like the same one. It, mm-hmm. He didn't end up with as good work, period, quote unquote, from this approach. Um, and you burned a bridge that way. That's, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the project. It doesn't help you. And it certainly didn't help Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. What a bummer. What not to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I just, I uh, just kind of blown away by it, honestly. I was, yeah. I, I yeah. was, uh, so, you know, in a way, it's like, yeah, he did the Doc Ock suite, um, but that's mm-hmm. basically all he wrote for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. And, and not by choice. Right. Yeah. Is it? It's a huge bummer. I'm just remembering all the times we were like, "Yeah, but like this Doc Oxley, like that—that's a really clever piece of writing there. Like that's really, really new, and it really stands out." Uh, yeah. And the rest being the rest. Um, oh man, I cannot get over like the idea of if you just want to uh, <laughs> get this Hellraiser cue. I can't get any closer. I'm if you want his music to tire him and then they literally did yeah and then he still and then he scored spider-man 3 yeah oh yep oh and this would have been and and here's the thing this interview he was referencing that hellraiser cue he wasn't he didn't know at this point in this interview yeah 2005 that they were going to hire literally hire him for spider-man 3 Ooh. yeah this predates that, so... Yeah, yeah. Man, that is... Ooh, that is a Hollywood story. Uh, I, in That's... Oof. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I do want to talk about uh, the soundtrack a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the actual, like, music from and inspired oh, yeah, by like, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, the... the not the score, but the, the tracks with the songs. Yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So the soundtrack album for this uh, released in, uh, you know, June of 2004, um, basically uh, the same day that the movie was released overseas. Um, ah, gotcha. June 30th. Uh, it, uh, the whole, the album as a whole reached um, the top 10 U.S. album charts. Oh, uh, which is, nice. you know, really, that's a big deal for a movie soundtrack. Yeah, um, I think uh, not something that happens a lot uh, uh-huh. but yeah so it, it reached the top 10 in the US top 40 in Australia mm. um, uh, vindicated by Dashboard Confessional uh, reached the top of the world uh, soundtrack chart 
uh, and uh, top 20 of the U.S. modern rock chart. Um, We Are uh, by Anna Johnson was a huge success in Europe um, and was a was a single in Europe and not in America. Uh, Ordinary by Train uh, was uh, the was in the uh, U.S. adult top 40 singles charts. Mm-hmm. And the song I Am by Killing Heidi was uh, added to the Australian version of the soundtrack and released as a single in that country where it debuted and peaked at number 16. Huh. Um, which well, yeah, a, so literally a different version of it just for Australia. Yeah, yeah. So I Am is not on the American version of this. It's only uh, in the Australia. Because uh, it's like an Australian artist or something. Like yeah, that. I guess so. Yeah. Huh. Uh, it's actually, it's uh, it's track... It's a it's an extra track on the on the soundtrack. It goes uh, between the Atari song and the Anna Johnson song on the on the soundtrack in Australia. Um, yeah. So instead of fifteen tracks, there's sixteen on that one. Um, <laughs> it's uh yeah. And then uh, the thing that's interesting about Vindicated, I don't I don't think I've t- ever told this story on the on the show before. But mm. um, initially, uh, Sony purchased um the song i need a sure thing by dashboard confessional i need a sure thing being a very rare uh like b-side track it's well it's not even a b-side track because they've only ever performed it live and they haven't performed it live since um like 2005 ish 2006 ish something like that um they 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 were performing it live around then and then they just stopped and now it's just it's a it's a lost song because uh they had um i need a sure thing and that was that was going to be the song that was going to play in the end credits uh and then basically they received um a special screening of this of the film of spider-man 2 yeah. Uh, a few months before it opened, and uh, Chris Caraba, the uh, you know the lead singer, the guy, the guy who was Dashboard Confessional even before it was a band, right? Um, right. He watched uh, he watched the movie, and then at, when the movie ended, uh, he sort of reflected on the themes of the film, and then went into a studio and wrote and recorded a rough track of Vindicated in ten minutes. No. 10 minutes. No. Yeah. Um, wrote, wrote the song and recorded it in a 10 minute span, like on a, just, you know, like an old school dashboard confessional yeah. version, which is just him yeah. and the acoustic guitar. Um, and, uh, you can, you can actually find that track. Like it's been released as like a, Whoa. as like a B side version of like, you know, vindicated in, uh, uh, like an acoustic vindicated. Um, yeah. and he sent that to Sony and was like, I would like to do this instead. And they were like, uh, yeah, go record that and we'll get it on the soundtrack. Um, yeah. So um, it rules. I, that's, yeah, no, it's a phenomenal song. It's a phenomenal song. I do not song. know a lot about music and songwriting and, and especially not that. I just know when I, I, I hear a thing and I go, that's great. And mm-hmm. I, that song, I remember when this movie came out, I mean, it's, Obviously, it's what you're hearing as the credits roll and you're getting up to go and whatnot. And the the mood it put you in or whenever it hear it on the radio, like it just trans it transports me back to that time. Like it, for better or for worse, it feels like 2004 again. Um, but it's just so like the movie itself. It's just so heartfelt and earnest. And um, yeah, he really just goes for it. I, yeah. 
And I remember when it was released, the big deal was just like, oh, they got the soundtrack right this time. Mm. Um, or at least, <laughs> at least they generally knew the tone right. at least this time. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it. it's there, there's a good mixture on this one, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, you know, for every uh, dashboard, a dashboard confessional, yellow card, taking back Sunday and the Ataris, you have mm. a train, a Huba stank. Um, yeah, a Maroon Five, <laughs> a Lost Prophets. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, it's yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like when I got the soundtrack, I remember um, I listened to it all the time, but I only listened to uh, Vindicated. Uh, I think I listened to Hold On, um, mm-hmm. Gifts and Curses, The Photograph is Proof uh, from Taking Back Sunday. And uh, the uh, uh, the night that the lights went out in New York City, which is uh, the Atari song, um, and uh, then the the two uh, the two suites by Danny Elfman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those are the those were the songs. Like I, I put those together in like a separate playlist, and I just listened to those because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't care about the other songs. But sure, yeah, um, yeah. I really like those ones, and I listened to them. Yeah, I was uh, that that summer. Um, yeah, I was like I was I was delivering pizzas, and then. Uh, I was also like, I got, I got a second job bussing tables at an Italian restaurant. Um, oh. and so I was like bussing tables and just listening to this soundtrack while I was doing it uh, <laughs> because like, you know, you don't have to talk to anybody when you're bussing. Yeah. Tables. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, That's yeah. Magnificent. yeah. Yeah. I am. This was, it was a summer where I was, um, I was training for, for tennis season cause it starts up in the, um. Mm. when school when school starts in the fall uh so right that's how school works um <laughs> and uh i just remember i remember this being like part of like the training mindset of like you know because it's a song that is very much like i gotta suffer for this but it's like the right thing to do and i was like so into this idea that like i'm gonna like do well in sports next year <laughs> and i'm gonna <laughs> every time i'd like drive out to do a tennis training camp or whatever and i I spent a lot of time in the summers the in 2004 2005 like Mm -hmm. playing tennis with my dad and going to um yeah training camps and stuff like that trying to just like get better at this one skill that was only useful for me as a (laughs) as a high school athlete but it was so it meant something to me you know it was that Mm -hmm. idea that that feeling of i gotta you know go through this tough thing and like maybe it'll be worth it in the end. And so for me, it's associated with that sort of teenage mindset of this is the most important thing in the world. And I got to like train for it and I swear I'm right. <laughs> I yeah. just love it. It just, it just makes you feel, uh, um, it, it, it makes you feel like, you know, as, as tough as things are there, you've made the right choice and yeah. you're, good, you're right to have committed. To it's it. a really good breakup song because oh, it's for sure. Because yeah. it's not, it's not, <laughs> like hateful no um it's like a it's a positive song Mm -hmm, uh and mm -hmm. it's not like an angry song or anything yeah um it's a really good it's 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 a a new lease on life song song. yeah yeah Yeah. not a uh it's not like a screw you jerk song right um and vindicated was such a such a huge hit uh Mm. and and it being um that and uh i think i think it's just I think it's just the three uh it's the it's the atari song the yellow card mm. song gifts and curses which is really good too um mm. it mm. is it is an excellent song uh but that one and uh and and vindicated um were all written for the uh for the film 
and oh, they wow. were you know the the soundtrack was so successful because of you know primarily vindicated obviously but mm-hmm. um it, that when they went to go make the spider-man 3 soundtrack um all of the tracks on the spider-man 3 soundtrack were written exclusively for the soundtrack whoa yeah. that's whoa i don't think i've ever heard of that happening yeah unless it's like a wow okay yeah, cool yeah. Um, yeah the whole the whole thing so um and it's a it's a really uh with the exception of um there's only one exception on the spider-man 3 soundtrack which is uh, uh chubby checker um mm. the twist but <laughs> you know yeah. it's in the movie in that We're case the scene, not so, inspired yeah, by gotta, so gotta put it in it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> diegetic songs yeah i think the only uh the the only other soundtrack i can think of that it's like all, all tracks uh written for the for the movie is um mm-hmm. black panther yeah yeah black panther it was like a that? it's almost like a concept album or something right right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's uh that's the only other time i can really think of that happening in a for a superhero movie anyway right, um, right. there are other examples of movies that have done that but um mm-hmm. Yeah. specifically for this yeah yeah and and specifically for this and and non-diegetically is the other thing yeah uh, you know yeah. certainly i've seen you know i mean josie and the pussycats is a great soundtrack oh, but God, that's like yeah that's we like that diegetic yeah songs or, yeah. or like uh, that thing you do or something like, right yeah exactly sure. but, exactly but um, this is just <laughs> this is the song about spider-man 2 this is yeah. the song <laughs> yeah 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 people love yeah. it i sure do um, I, I recommend, uh, checking out Gi- gifts and curses. No one ever talks about that one. Um, mm-hmm. because it wasn't a, it wasn't released as a single or anything, but, uh, right, right. uh, yeah. Gifts and curses from yellow card is, uh, a really, really good Spider-Man song. Nice. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Yeah. Well, we talked about music. Uh, that was different. I hope everybody yeah. <laughs> was okay with, uh, music talk in this one. Cool. I mean, let's be real here. The the section of the credits that pop up here are just the cast, and I've already talked about them throughout the whole season. So right. it's we it's we might as well talk about music when the music when the song is playing. I think yeah. it fits. Yeah. I had a good time with it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we will be back uh, tomorrow uh, to talk about uh, more credits, and uh, I'm going to uh, start reading through the the. Michael Shabon draft, um, yes, which has been yes. something that's been promised since the beginning of the season. And it's finally, <laughs> we finally reached the credits. So here it is here. We're, yeah, we're well, going to dive into it. The movie changed quite a bit from where it would be. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> Accessible. So yeah, oh, look wow. forward to that just, one. <laughs> just wait. Um, so anyway, that's uh, something to look forward to tomorrow uh, when we uh, come back to uh, talk more about what's left of Spider-Man 2. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.